everyone, and welcome to the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast, where we talk about Unreal Engine and boiled tree sap. We're your hosts. My name's Alex, and this is... This is Jacob. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Uh, if you're listening, uh, give us a rating. If you're watching, subscribe, like, do all of that. It really helps. You know, we apologize that uh, uh, our episodes don't seem to come out that frequently. However, you know, good news, Alex... Would you like to introduce our, our new producer? Yes, we finally have a producer. His name is Alan Scott, and he will make it so we can do more than one episode a month. And between um, having a, a proper producer and this wonderful virtual studio that our audio-only listeners will need to check out, at least for a moment on YouTube, to see how cool this is, uh, I think we're doing pretty well. Um, Jacob, how did we go about acquiring this virtual studio? Did this cost us millions of dollars? Uh, I, you know, that's not at my discretion to say. No, I... Jacob, I hope everyone thinks the wait was worth it, because here we are in this amazing new virtual studio. Yeah. Who do we have to thank for this lovely uh, Unreal Engine demo scene that may or may not exist anymore? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for folks who are just listening in, we are sitting in none other than Unreal Engine's uh, original... Uh, uh, you know, demo scene with the orange table, orange chairs, and everything, and it's all thanks to our our special guest this week, Vikas Reddy, who's here with us. Over here, there we go. Here's there he is. Hey guys, welcome, yeah. welcome, welcome. And the great people over at Light Twist, we really appreciate all their help getting this set up. Here we are, Vikas. Would you like to introduce awesome. yourself real quick? Yeah, uh, great to great to be here, guys. I'm the founder uh, and CEO of uh, Light Twist, and uh, super excited to be on the show today. Let's let's jump into things. So we like to do a little bit of a, a, a word association with guests <laughs> who come on the show, just just to, you know get 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 things warmed up, get things started here. So I'm going to say a few words, and you're just going to throw back at me, kind of the 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 first thing right. that comes in your head. All right, All right. sounds good. Home. Uh, where I want to be. That's that's more than one word, but I'll give it. To oh, you. oh shit! One oh, word. Okay, okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine, 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 fine. Uh, work. Uh, fun. Food. Uh, grilled cheese. Nice, nice. Travel. Uh, Italy. Okay. Drink. Uh, old fashioned. Ooh, good choice. Unreal Engine. Uh, ooh, powerful. Powerful. <laughs> nice. Now, now there's a few additional questions that are get tacked on then here is, uh, how do you take your coffee? Ooh, uh, usually black. Usually black. What, what does usually mean in that situation? Uh, the only, it's either black or I do, uh, almond milk lattes. That's about almond it. Almond milk lattes. Do you have like yeah. a, a, an espresso machine? Uh, usually it's a, well, it's a, a it's French press for French press when I make it at home. And then it's almond milk when I buy it from the crazy expensive, but awesome <laughs> yeah. coffee shop two blocks away. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay. All right. $49 latte. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is. <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite time of day? Ooh, I would say, uh, late mornings on weekends, I'd say. Okay. That's a, that's a good choice. And then, uh, what what was the last thing you really laughed at? Like, what was something that was the last thing that oh, uh, memorably funny? So my 
son this morning on the way to preschool asked, he said, dad, when will humans go extinct? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I hope never. And then he said, well, you never know. <laughs> and uh, that like both uh, made me laugh and creep me out a little bit because I'm not sure what his plans are around this. Right. Yeah. You always yeah, imagine this. A little too excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I got I to make sure I, I'm trying to figure out the right way to look at you guys. I think it's right there. Okay, there we go. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, Alex, what, what's new? What are we talking about? Ooh, well, uh, I think um, considering right now we're going about once a month, there's plenty of stuff we can talk about of what happened over the last month. We can talk holidays. We can talk new things we've played with in Unreal. Uh, me personally, my last month has involved a lot of NVIDIA products inside of Unreal. And so that's some of the things I'd like to talk about today. Some SDKs, some nice uh, features there. And oh yeah, behind me, there's a, a very cool webinar that uh, I'll be doing with Autodesk and um, NVIDIA about something called virtual reality capture and replay. And that will be in early February, February cool. 7th, I think. Now, before we actually jump into all that, I, I realize we're, we're getting scatterbrained here. First, I think we should let our guests maybe introduce themselves a bit before we jump right in. I, we're, we, you know, we don't talk for a month and we get very excited. We jump right into things. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I also want to hear what Vikas thinks of all the exciting uh, yeah. NVIDIA Unreal Engine things out yes, there. Yes, yes. But certainly. We want I, people to know who he is and why he's so excited. Yeah, let's, let, let's <laughs> let him tell people who he is and also about Light Twist since here we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I'll say, uh, yeah, with, you know, excited to be here. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to work with you guys in this virtual studio here. Um, but, um, yeah, so light twist is a, it's a virtual studio, uh, in the cloud, a virtual video studio in the cloud. Uh, our goal is to make it where it's limited only by your imagination. Um, so the idea of with just a browser and a webcam, you're able to stream yourself and guests, co-hosts, uh, uh, potentially, you know, down the road, even doing things like avatars and everything else, but essentially being able to, uh, record and stream. Uh, from this virtual studio that's purely rendered in the cloud and using Unreal Engine 5.1 right now. So, um, yeah, like all the computer vision processing, all the rendering is done on the cloud side. Um, you do need a reasonably good internet connection, but that's that's about it. And so we're still still pretty early days. Like we're about a three-person team um, and we're, um, yeah, just cranking away, trying to get to a, to a private beta. And um, thanks guys for dealing with our currently still pretty shitty UI we yeah. should get better the next uh, couple weeks here. It's great. And uh, I remember because when you first showed me this, how excited I was because this is such a great use of cloud streaming, being able to have a beautifully rendered Unreal Engine environment. Um, for those who are just listening, there's also this cool effect they have where there's like reflections on the table. Yeah. Uh, also, we should say a little bit what the studio looks like. We are, I think, the torchbearers now of this starter Unreal Engine scene, the one with the <laughs> orange table and the orange chairs. Um, yeah. I don't think that scene is included in the latest versions of Unreal. It's not so oh, really. This it's not the default <laughs> anymore. It's been dethroned by some weird terrain. I mean, I don't know what that's Man. about. I, 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 I haven't checked. I do. I, I think maybe the table is still in the starter content. I, I can't imagine they axed it entirely, but yeah. here we are. The last to be last and maybe the first to be sitting here, yeah, uh, you know, on a podcast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, because you have such an amazing history, can you talk a little bit about 
Um, maybe maybe start around like college or something that. Yeah, and yeah. Work your way back up to now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and it's you know, it's uh, I honestly feel like I'm pretty, I'm a pretty lucky person overall. Like a kind of like uh, just a rolling set of of luck to to get where I am, and um, and just awesome getting to meet awesome people. So, yeah, I mean, you know, started. Um, you know, I studied uh, computer science and uh, math uh, in undergrad. Um, ended up uh, just meeting awesome people. I went to the University of Michigan. Um, yeah, and met up with uh, you know, ended up getting uh, getting just uh, myself and my uh, friend Jeff Powers uh, met at the University of Michigan, and we started. Essentially, uh, started this company called. Uh, uh, well, I guess it was still called Accept a little bit. Basically, we started a company um, around computer vision. We uh, ended up getting into Techstars, which was sort of an early seed stage incubator based in Boulder. Um, and uh, yeah, that was like, you know, we failed to raise money out of the incubator. And then we we're like, let's just build a stupid barcode scanning app to make some money. Um, yeah. Ended up building this app called Red Laser, which was like a barcode scanning app that had a, a small bit of computer vision, but essentially letting the original iPhone scan uh, blurry barcodes. So we built this about 20,000 line algorithm to do that. And then, um, yeah, that ended up doing crazily well. It was still like probably on a percentage basis, the most profitable because we were paying ourselves like 1200 a month. And then in the, at the peak the app was making like 20, 30 K a day, which was crazy. Um, wow. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it was like, I wish it stayed there for, for a long time, but that would be nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it ended up, you know, it was in the top five of the app store for a while, which was a wild ride. And then ended up getting acquired by eBay in, in 2010. Um, and then, yeah, we started, um, really, we kept a lot of the IP. We sold the product to eBay, but we got to keep all the, like, name and uh, the occipital name, the, a bunch of the IP that we developed that was, like, not yet released. And so, um, yeah, that was that. Was that. And then, uh, uh, yeah, with occipital, it's all about 3D perception, um, 3D capture. And so that's, that's what we ended up working on there. Um, so things like structure sensor, uh, things like, um, so that was like a, a 3D platform that we created. First, actually, first time we built some hardware, which was like its own crazy endeavor. Uh, so we had the structure sensor, um, which was launched on Kickstarter. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy, crazy wild ride and, and experience. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up getting, uh, you know, basically left there. It's, it's about a 60-person team now, I think. Um, and so, yeah, I left the team, left there in early 2020, and then, yeah, basically, like, was I was going to take a year or two off, but like the <laughs> whole uh, pandemic happened, and so I was stuck in my basement anyway, and you know, cranking away and hacking on stuff. So yeah, like it was, uh, yeah, ended up starting and ended up getting bored and and, and starting Light Twist. <laughs> so what was the like original inspiration for Light Twist? So uh, I think I think like a lot of people like. Um, I, so I went through, um, Y Combinator, uh, at the end or beginning of 2021. And I was prototyping a bunch of different ideas. Actually, like the one that sort of led to this funnily enough was a, an AR pet idea I was exploring. Um, and then showed that to a friend of mine who was like, oh, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, and then he's like, oh, I wonder if there's something you could do with like virtual production. I was like, oh, what is that? I was like, you mean like green screen stuff or whatever. And then he pointed me over to the whole, like, uh, virtual, you know, the, the LED light stage from the Mandalorian and I'd watched the show, but I literally had no idea that they like built like a 10,000 square foot light stage and everything else that was involved there. And it was kind of mind blown. I was like, 
and, and given my background in computer vision and spatial computing, it just started me thinking about like, hey, is there, is there a way to make this type of technology like much more accessible to like everyday creators and just people that don't have all the, the, the knowledge or the, the experience or the dollars to spend? Um, so that's where we started. And, you know, we prototyped an iPhone app, we built a Mac app and like eventually landed on this, this cloud version for a variety of reasons. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been cool. And I will say the whole virtual production world, um, similar to, I'd say, AR, VR and computer vision, it's like, it's a pretty small world and people are pretty like awesome and friendly. In fact, that's how I met Alex. I think I just met, reached out on Twitter randomly. Yeah. I was like, hey, <laughs> can I get your advice on virtual production? Because I don't know what the hell I'm doing, really. Um, <laughs> So yeah, thanks again for that, Alex. And uh, yeah, that's that's how we got got going. Amazing. Yeah. And at that point, I was already a fan of all the occipital stuff because I'd use that a lot in architecture work, and uh, would often put those scans into Unreal. So it was very. Oh yeah, nice. We helped each other. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Wow. What that's... was your? By the way, what was your initial introduction to Unreal Engine? We try to get these yeah. Unreal Engine origin. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know what? I wonder if I can. You know, if I can pull it up, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll, or I'll, I'll, or we can splice it in later, maybe. But uh, so, I mean, the first time was like after reading all this, I started just like I was like, okay, let me just prototype some ideas without like really writing code. Just like, okay, let me just try some some demos using just like off the shelf tools. And so, actually, funnily enough, my first one was uh, the first video I made was a video of a little toy sheep, actually in the default room that you guys are in right now, <laughs> um, where it was like a tracked camera. I think I use like, what was that? What's that app called? AR cam or whatever. There's like an app, there's an app that like yeah. lets you like track your camera. And so like I use that to kind of record some footage and then composite it with, uh, with Unreal. And so that was my first, uh, first experience. Cool. Yeah. The current system for anyone curious is you either use an older app called Unreal Remote 2, or now you can actually use, um, VCAM, which of course stands for virtual cam. And that also uses live link. And it used to be that that needed to have a remote session connection, which was a little, uh, but as of Unreal Engine 5.1, it actually works with pixel streaming, which makes it super robust and easy to use. For sure. Nice. And yeah, that, that was an awesome phase. Camera. <laughs> Sorry, just explaining. Yeah. Yeah. So to tell me more about this uh, uh, initial topic uh, or that's right behind us here, Alex. Sure. Yeah. So this is some software that um, someone at NVIDIA contacted me about maybe uh, six or eight months ago and wondered if it would be something useful in, in our workflow. And uh, I had no idea what it even was. And I read through the SDK and I didn't quite understand it, downloaded it, opened it up. Uh, it, it felt like very raw, like it was just a bunch of batch files or, or command files where like the yeah. steps were labeled for like, click on this for step one, click on this for step two. And uh, for step one, basically I opened it and I realized it, it detected my headset and my controllers and it just started to record everything my headset and controllers were doing. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. But then that made me realize that, hey, there's a lot of times when I'm working in an Unreal Engine project and I'm taking the headset on and off over and over and over again. I'll, I'll demonstrate it very directly. Here's a headset. <laughs> I do like, da, 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 check something, click, 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 take it off, change the code, change the code, change the code, put it back on, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And you do that 50 times and your neck is sore and you're kind of sick of it. So what this allows you to do is actually record a file and then play it back perfectly, exactly what you did without having to put the headset back on, which is really great if there's like some sequence of events where you're trying to improve a feature or do a bug fix. 
And uh, we started to use that more and more. We started to incorporate it into uh, our cloud system. And I love it. It's really, really great. And uh, it was very kind of NVIDIA to ask me to be on a webinar with them and Autodesk to, uh, to speak about the utility of their SDK there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I mean, it, it goes back to, I remember um, for a while, HTC had the, um, we're going to talk about an HTC headset maybe a little later in the podcast, but the they made the, what was it called? The um, the Elite something? Yeah, and I had that flip-up display. Oh, I remember uh, that. I was thinking, oh, that's that's such a that's such a cool feature. Oh, was oh. that the Cosmos? Uh, I have it. I, maybe actually I don't have it here. But uh, no, it, it was just, it flipped right up so that you could do that kind of like, you know, the thing you're talking about, which was, uh, yeah. I remember yeah. I used to, to, you know, be developing in VR and by the end, my hair would just be standing straight up because I'd be taking right. the thing on and off so much. And uh, I actually would be standing up a, because I, you know, I, I was getting frustrated at, you know, working with the Oculus SDKs. And then the second was because I was taking it on and off. But uh, that's a pretty cool thing. So d does that like help you kind of just automate the testing process or is it is it really just like don't you don't need to pick up a headset? You don't even need to have a headset on hand. Is, is that really? Yeah, and, and you can. That's true. Also, if you're working with a developer who doesn't actually even have a VR headset, you can send them just this directory. There's nothing to even install and they can then simulate, you know, having a headset connected to their computer and playing back all this data which is really helpful if you want um, them to, yeah, help fix something or help develop something. That's just one of these tools, though. You, there, there's been a whole suite of things that you've been looking at. What, what, what's been exciting? Yeah, we'll whiz through a couple of these. In fact, um, yeah, because if you want to pull up just any of those NVIDIA-related links, I could probably just riff for a minute on each of them. Because um, it, it really where this started was just finding the uh, the branch, the um, the branch of... Unreal Engine that oh, yeah. maintains. Every time there's a new release of Unreal, NVIDIA is like, well, here's our spin on that. And so they have their own uh, GitHub kind of setup there. And I started to realize how many other uh, plugins and SDKs were in there that I hadn't touched before. Usually you can enable these plugins separately yeah. in Unreal Engine. So there's uh, one called um, RTX DI, which stands for yeah. Direct Illumination. Um, there also was RTX GI, Global Illumination, which was kind of uh, an alternative to Lumen, and that's being uh, phased out a little bit now. But the direct illumination stuff is super cool and actually pairs well with Lumen because it actually allows you to have up to uh, 256 real-time shadow casting, ray-traced, movable lights inside your scene, which um, even Lumen can't really do that that well on its own. And it looks amazing. So there's a little um, video I have on Twitter that just kind of shows um, moving around uh, all those different lights and starting to, to check it out in VR in particular. Because a lot of these SDKs, they work well with um, regular vanilla Unreal, but a yeah. lot of them aren't designed for VR. So some of the super sampling stuff um, and even DLSS 3, which um, isn't out yet, that one's not available for VR yet either. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I definitely, I, I saw some of the footage that you had, you posted about um, your experience with direct illumination. Because I remember um, back in the day looking at the RTX GI um, that was released in, on, on that branch. 
Oh yeah, here, here's exactly the video I, I remember seeing. And I get the feeling Twitter coming through the stream might be a little weird. Oh, no, it looks great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, I, I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, this is, this is great. Uh, and then trying to get my hands on it and I couldn't really at the time. Uh, but it looks like, I mean, it's come kind of, it's come so far. And I'm curious to kind of see how, how this plays into the ecosystem of the different rendering options we're seeing in Unreal, especially since they're kind of deprecating the, or they're kind of deprecating. I should really emphasize the kind of, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the ray tracing, the real-time ray tracing features that are built into the engine in favor of, of Lumen and, and, you know, maybe having NVIDIA support that that other branches yeah and and not to not to speak for epic but i i read into their intentions here when they say things like ray tracing is becoming deprecated it's it's more like they're trying to take all the great things about ray tracing and path tracing and, and that kind of stuff and bake that into lumen so eventually there's no reason to do anything except lumen because there will just be yeah. that can for all intents and purposes do exactly the same thing i mean for sure i mean one, one of the most um one of the things that I know we've touched on before uh, on this podcast is, is the fact it's just all the compatibility that's you have to consider when you're working yeah. with, with ray tracing and, and different hardware. I think, you know, Lumen's part of Lumen's goal is to make it as scalable as possible, right? From, you know, mobile phone. And, and I remember you running some tests with Nanite recently that were kind of along these lines, right? Like that's scaling right. from a mobile phone all the way up to a workstation and making sure that, you know, across all these different devices with all sorts of different, oh no, he got the 404 and GitHub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, across all these different devices with maybe different types of GPUs that they all, you know, kind of work seamlessly, right? You don't have to, you don't have to think about it. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's, I think, been a big goal with Lumen as well. Uh, it, and if you can get away from having to need something like a, you know, uh, you know, an RTX enabled GPU, because, you know, you're not going to have an RTX enabled GPU on your phone or, you know, like, I think that's a good thing at the end of the day, even if the best experience is, you know, still requires some, um, you know, specialized acceleration like you would get out of a NVIDIA GPU. Yeah. And, and that's why pixel streaming and things like CloudXR are so great at helping that kind of stuff out. Uh, oh, and uh, because if you want to go back to the 404 real quick, I hear people. Oh, yeah talk about this all the time. So this is a great moment to point out. Anytime I post a link and I say like, here's the NVIDIA source build, here's the Unreal Engine source build, yeah. <laughs> people are like, oh, it just gives a 404 error. The reason for that is you actually need to create a GitHub account, and then you need to connect your account to the um, Epic Games Unreal Engine repository. It's it's public, but you need to actually like become a member of it, a contributor, so to speak. Uh, yeah. And then you won't get that 404 message and the links will work. Yeah, this, um, this... Yeah, going yeah, go ahead. Uh, just just to tail off this, I mean, we it, it's a pretty interesting thing that they do with this repository because, like Alex said, it, it's you, you need to register your account and it's part of their EULA and it's all that. You know, making sure that anyone who is has access to the source code, um, you know, accepts all their terms and you know accepts the license, all that. That makes sense. Um, but one, of, I remember last year there was a big issue. <sighs> Yeah, because, and, you're talking yeah about he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Both of you probably do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were, I don't know, I think it's like there are at least 30,000 people uh, connected with notifications to that repository. Yeah. 
and someone realized that you can actually just spam 30,000 or it was probably more than that, probably in the hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's emails through GitHub issues and all this other stuff. And so I woke up one day and I assume maybe you guys <laughs> did too, to crazy emails with all sorts of awful content in it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Because someone was just spamming stuff into the, and it was a huge thing. So I'm, now I think you have to like have specific rights to create issues or whatever. I can't remember how they fixed it, but that, that was kind of funny. I don't think anyone else, I, I don't know any other situations where Epic's model here applies at, at the scale that they're, they're doing, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, um, source availability, so to speak, not open yeah, source, yeah. but yeah. It's amazing that it never happened before, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty new to Unreal. I'm like, really this never happened in the last like no, it, five to someone years. Someone found yeah. a specific way to like tag everyone. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. It yeah. was, it was okay. something that there was some hidden group that if you tag them, um, okay, okay. it would get wow. notified. <laughs> Wasn't it, wasn't the original message like a feature? Was it a feature request or something? It was like, oh, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, I, I, I did not scroll that far up, man. <laughs> a few messages in, I was like, oh, this is not good. Yeah, there's either. definitely some uh, some questionable ones on there for sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, let, let's continue. I, I didn't mean to get too sidetracked. Yeah, yeah. We want to touch again briefly on um, Actually, we'll uh, zoom into that. What are we looking at there? Oh, this is like a shout out for later. So yeah, we'll. we'll come oh yeah, back sorry. In a moment. We can get back to that. Yeah. The the cloud XR thing. So I, I just want to make sure people understand uh, that what this allows you to do is almost something like pixel streaming for VR. So this allows you to have any computer can be in the cloud. Could be your office computer. Could be your home computer. And then a little bit like virtual desktop, you can now just use a, a cheap, you know, uh, Quest headset or whatever. It could be Vive. Could be a computer. You now have a way to tunnel in to that computer to access the content, which is great if you have a little headset with a mobile GPU, uh, and now you're able to actually um, experience, you know, very high-end content on like an RTX 4090 streaming back to that headset. And so we do this all the time, um, actually using Jacob's company services. And if we're connecting to something like a New York City server, then it feels like the latency is completely imperceptible. There's some really clever stuff NVIDIA is doing um, with you know predictive algorithms and that sort of thing. So you really do not feel the latency as long as you have a decent enough internet connection. And uh, really excited for the roadmap of that. I know some of the things that are on the horizon. So everyone keep an eye for it and certainly apply for access if it's something you'd like to use as well. Yeah. Yeah, CloudXR is, is a cool one. And I mean, we, we our, our last episode, we spoke about, you know, Christmas Carol and, um, you know, some of the stuff that uh, you and your team did there. I mean, that was, uh, and I think I said it on that podcast episode, that was one of the first times I had seen CloudXR actually deployed with any sort of scale or intention, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, so big shout out to Alex for jumping <laughs> on this one. I, I think Nvidia likes him for it too because it's uh, it's one of those texts that I think it is text that is not a that is not a noun. Um, technologies. One of those technologies that I think is really cool, but not a whole lot of people are are out there really trying to apply it. But Alex is definitely one of them. 
so this is this is one of the things though to keep an eye on because I, I think it's it's such an exciting possibility and it's it's something that in the VR scene at least like everyone thought was just going to be impossible. So here's what I'd like for Light Twist to think about maybe down the line a year or two from now. Um, in addition yeah. to having this kind of awesome pixel stream setup uh, that, by the way, we're seeing perfectly right now with very little latency uh, in front of us. How about a Cloud XR version as well, where uh, if you, Jacob and I, for example, were using stereo 180 cameras, then Ooh, someone's yeah. in VR and they're actually getting a different view to the yeah. left and right eye. And it feels like we're we're here with dimension. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you could you could uh, I mean, especially. I mean, yeah, get like what you guys did with that uh, with the Christmas Carol is pretty impressive because yeah, that I always kind of was like, oh, it's got to be too high latency, and so yeah, you could actually do something like this where you where the audience is getting to participate. Like you guys could, you know, you could imagine having like you know a couple hundred people sitting there watching like a show essentially, and then being able to like interact and sort of see what's going on and and feeling like they're actually there. Yeah, um, I want to see Alex what we could do with uh, those. A connect uh, Azure sensors that we uh, played yeah. around with, you know, because then you could have kind of a, a, a you know three D okay. effect to us and you know everything yeah. around you, and it would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I think the uh, yeah, I think and the other thing that I think with with VR that'd be interesting too is like you know we thought about what if you you know could you have yourself uh, you know for the creators or like the the people putting on the show, even wearing, wearing a headset and sort of having like yourself tracked and sort of in that case, being more of an avatar type approach as well, which I think is also another thing that you could, we could use something like uh, cloud XR for perhaps. Yeah, for sure. Kind of, it kind of seems to some extent that like you similar to what you were saying earlier, you're kind of trying to replicate that virtual production workflow, but entirely remote where everyone's in a completely different place. It's that's that's very interesting. I mean, how, how do you think about that? Like, how, how do you think about the kind of challenges you're trying to solve compared to, to virtual production today? Yeah, I would say it's it's, you know, part of it's like going after a different, uh, you know, different type of audience, I would say, because like there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the existing virtual production stuff is it's it's frankly pretty amazing. The quality is just mind blowing. But yeah, there's some there's certain friction points for people to access that. So either, you know, you're either, um, you know, they're physically recording kind of all together on, on the same set or I mean, th there are cases where you can do stuff remotely, but then it usually is like involving having somebody that's quite knowledgeable at Unreal Engine kind of like doing something more offline typically. And so what we're what we've tried to reframe it around and then kind of go after is sort of think of our product as as a physical analogy so it's like it is this like physical feeling studio in the cloud that has like magical things that can happen like where i can turn things on and off or you know um you know it's like it's it's something that you have this like this power you know imaginative power over um and then yeah it is remote so you can actually have like you know three of us all in different locations um showing up together now there's there's challenges like i think we're We've made some strides on things like quality, but there's a lot of room to go there. Like our, you know, the things like, you know, just getting cameras and uh, lighting and everything else. Like there are some benefits of a physical location because you can like more specifically control those things. And so what we're trying to do is use software to make up for some of those differences, like, or some of those sort of deficiencies. Um, so yeah, there's a trade-off. And I think it's also a different audience. Like 
people that wouldn't traditionally think that they could access this type of virtual production technology. They might even not even think of it as virtual production. They're just like, Hey, I just want like a cool studio to like do this in and like have a talk show. And like, um, we're, we're experimenting on some cool game show stuff. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. There's a lot of ways to room to go, go though. I always, uh, not just the UI itself, but the actual output I look at and I'm like, we're not even pushing what we could do with 5.1 on Unreal Engine yet. And then yeah. there's a ton of work we can do to improve the compositing, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty fun field. There's like, we were like, I was talking with Gustavo, my co-founder, we're like, yeah, there's probably like 10 years of features we could just keep continually building. Cause you know, that's this whole, I mean, as, as you guys well know, there's so much, there's so much to be built and so many things to be explored here. Yeah. yeah. How, so, you know, you've spoken a few times now. Oh, Alex, are you trying to jump in there? Right? Okay. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the light twist podcast, which is wonderful. Uh, I was fortunate to be a, a guest on it. So this is a bit of a, a trade. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and every episode at the end, they do as uh, you guys alluded to this kind of like video game, uh, showdown. I think we did like Tetris when I was on there and it's really fun. Yeah. It's just like a great little, you know, way to end the show and it's all displayed wonderfully in their studio. And, um, all those episodes are excellent. And in fact, they've interviewed a few people that we've featured in our shout outs before. So if you like hearing about the shout outs we've been saying, then actually go find full interviews with those people. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that shout out. Yeah. It was awesome having you on there and yeah, it's, it's been great. Yeah. Um, I, I lost my train of thought a bit, but I want to, what I wanted to touch on was yeah. you've mentioned a few times, um, things like computer vision. So for, for the yeah. folks who are listening in, can you tell them more about what computer vision is kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what, what it is that does and, and how it applies maybe yeah. to what they're seeing on screen? Yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a good question actually, cause I think it's used, uh, it's a, it's a pretty broad term. So. You know, probably the best way I would sort of describe it is if you think about a, a futuristic, you know, all, you know, human, human capable robot, um, there's kind of like three parts of the, that robot. There's the body of it. There's the sort of planning, like motivation, sort of AI, like what does it want to do? How does it want to operate in the world? Um, and there's another part, which I'd call perception. And, you know, maybe you could put that under computer vision, but it's it's sort of a a way to use cameras or other sensors or imagery to, to create a, a machine understandable understanding of, of what's in the world. You can almost think of it as, um, you know, one way to think about it is almost like reverse. It's almost the opposite of what Unreal Engine or other game engines do. It's kind of like a reverse game engine. You go from, instead of going from a model of, uh, of a virtual space and rendering that into an image, you're effectively doing the inverse of that. So you're actually going from uh, imagery back to a representation of, of what's in the world. And so, and that's useful in a lot of contexts, but you know, for us specifically at Light Twist, um, like one of the things is a, uh, is doing like background segmentation, for example. So kind of understanding, uh, labeling in an image, what's background and what's foreground um, to composite into a scene. Um, we have like a, a still being tweaked, but a deep learning based algorithm for the green screen as well to be like robust to crappier green screens, essentially, where you don't have to like, you know, have perfect lighting. Um, and then, you know, down the road, like doing things like um, we've we've have a prototype of a avatar tracker that can track your facial motion, your hands, your body with just an image. 
um, so kind of all together. And that's, that's again, sort of building an understanding of what's in the world and then being able to leverage that for, you know, virtual production in our case. But obviously the, the use cases of computer vision are, are vast. There's, there's like, you know, millions and billions of things you can do with it. Yeah. Very cool. Now, one other thing I have to ask is how do you get these reflections on these tables? <laughs> I mean, and there it's, you know, I should say, I should say there, like, you know, uh, I got to give credit to the, to the Unreal team and, uh, you know, all the people that worked on, worked on the engine and various parts there. Cause really what we're doing there is we're, there, there are some, some techniques we're doing in the, uh, how we're, how we're rendering sort of these, uh, you know, you guys into this scene. And, and right now we're actually taking kind of a, it's kind of like the first like baby steps. It's like, you guys are being rendered as it's effectively 2.5D planes. Your your 2D planes that are, you know, in the in this in the scene, and you're kind of rotating a little bit toward the camera as the camera pans around a little bit here. Um, and there's some techniques that, uh, and and a shout out to uh, Scott on our team who uh, is like our Unreal Engine expert um, and figured out some of the the tricks to actually make this make this happen. So some of it's like doing some. Uh, how we render to the to the depth buffer, how we sort of do transparency stuff, and um, if he was on right now, he'd probably be like, "Oh no, here's here's actually what what you're doing," <laughs> instead of me fumbling around it because uh, I'm definitely pretty weak on the Unreal knowledge uh, at the at the guts level. So, but yeah, I mean, basically that's that's some of it. So in a sense, another way, essentially what we're doing is we're kind of setting things up in such a way that Unreal Engine is just handling the reflections and stuff for us, yeah. like we get it for for free, so to speak. Yeah. Well, it works well, and you can't take for granted the fact that the table is including us, and you know, like there's so much going on here that I think uh, you could take for granted because it it it's not distracting, right? It, it looks it looks good, um, and I, I think that's really pretty impressive what, what you guys have already accomplished. Um, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I, it's funny because I look at it, I'm like, man, this looks like shit. We can <laughs> we got to do so much better. <laughs> uh, it's always uh, I'm always uh, self critical. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I want I want the, the you know viewers or, or listeners who maybe go back and check out the video to know, you know, this did not take uh, you know hours and hours to set up and. Alex and I have not really done yeah. much of anything to our setup, so I'm, right. I have a webcam, I have a mic that I just pulled a little close to me. I'm sure I still sound pretty far, but <laughs> you know, I, I pulled it a little close to me. I threw the lights in the room as best I could against this green screen, which is not well lit, and it's working. You know, so I, I do want people to recognize that uh, you know it, it does work kind of out of the box, which I, is impressive for sure. Yeah. Thanks. I'm excited for there to be kind of a, a timeline here. Like, I think it'll be fun to go back even a year from now. And I'm sure each of these episodes, all sorts of little tweaks on our end and on the light twist end are just going to keep improving this. So it'll be fun to see, even though I think this is amazing, how far we'll, uh, we'll continue to go here. Yeah. So yeah, for, for people who are interested, how can they check out what you guys are doing? And, and when are, when are they yeah. getting their hands on this? Yeah. yeah, it's a good question. Right now, so the so right now we're in uh we're in a stage where I'd call uh private alpha where it's like uh we're working with some early customers and, and users, but it's very handholdy as you guys saw. UI is still pretty shitty and, and a little bit broken. But um I'm I'm hoping by the end of you know, like I'd say middle February, maybe maybe early February, 
we'll have uh, private beta. So there's a couple of last things we're working on, like auto scaling some of our servers, um, processing, um, and then an, a native iPhone app to uh, just make it easier to just get high quality video piped in. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the rough timeline. It's like on the order of a couple of weeks to get to private beta. Um, and yeah, people want to sign up. They can um, either just go to lightwist.com and kind of fill out the type form. And I, I usually, I basically respond to every single person that signs up there to do like a quick intro call. And I kind of have been trying to bucket people in the lists of like, here's who I think this product might be good for once we have the private beta ready. So sign up there or um, yeah, feel free to email me at the cost at lighttwist.com too. Um, but yeah. Cool. Awesome. And, uh, and what if people want to get a hold of you in particular? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Then uh, email me at the cost at lighttwist.com or uh, I'm usually pretty active on Twitter because I'm uh, extremely addicted and, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm at Vikas ready on Twitter. So feel free to DM me or at me there too. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, especially like, I love to just anyone that's working in virtual production, computer vision, uh, just like people trying to build cool things. It just gets me excited. So, yeah. so um, what, are you, what are you excited for? I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I think uh, a question we love to, to, to talk about here yeah. is, what are you excited about? What are you excited about in Unreal? What are you excited about maybe in this space in general? I, I... Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, so many things. So, like, I'll, I'll stick to, like, virtual production because I think that's – obviously, it's quite relevant for all of us here in, in Unreal. So, one thing is um, I'm super excited about uh, just going from, you know, not just with our product but just in general, this, this idea of – just more and more unleashed creativity um, with uh, with especially things like Avatar. So that's, that's actually one thing that, um, so one bit of a tangent topic, but maybe prediction for the future is there's these kind of two paths that we're, we're pursuing as far as how do we bring people into these virtual studios. So one path is um, use real video and maybe enhance that with depth and kind of take a volumetric video approach. Um, and Another path is to take something more like a avatar approach to so try to recreate an avatar that's as close as, you know, as close as you can get to reality and sort of take it that way. And so, and then there's this kind of in between, which is, which is happening now where people are using neural rendering techniques. Um, Synthesia is a really good company doing this. There are uh, some people from University of Munich. Um, so there's starting to be these new techniques around that. And the, and the reason I'm excited about that is that you can start to get something where you know, right now we have like certain limitations on camera angles and like lighting and stuff. Um, like you guys are, you know, we, we, like right now it looks okay, but if we went on an extreme camera angle, it might not look, you know, it would start to break down a bit. And so I'm excited for exploring all the things that can be done with uh, a combination of avatars and, and neural rendering where you're able to have people that are, you know, like imagine like we're doing this and like we're recording a scene uh, maybe we're all wearing headsets and we're controlling, you know, characters and we're recording a scene together. So not just kind of a show format, but almost more of like getting into creativity where it's like we record a scene, the three of us are interacting. Now you get to go back into it and replay that or sort of redo that from any possible camera angle you want, tweak the lighting if you want. Like, um, I mean, a lot of this stuff is already possible in Unreal uh, today, which is actually pretty amazing. It's just that it takes, it takes a lot of, uh, work to kind of pull it all together essentially. And so I think making that streamlined is going to be exciting. And then 
Another thing is like combining game engines with some of this generative AI stuff, I think is gonna be really interesting because to me, there's this choice between game engines, which give you a more or less predictable, um, you know, such a repeatable output versus like generative AI, which is more dreamlike in some ways. And I think combining those two, like for example, in fact, this is something I'm, I'm experimenting with. I'll, I'll post the demo once I have it, but um, doing some different demos with like piping Unreal Engine renders content into uh, some like, you know, stability uh, or stable diffusion and using the depth output and stuff. So I think there's an interesting yeah. future around combining like game engines and generative AI for sure. Yeah, for, uh, that's one of the things we, we've spoken a couple of times now about on the podcast, uh, um, things like text to image and, and nerfs. And Alex, I know, has experimented with, I think, every volumetric capture solution on the planet. So he <laughs> yeah. speak to that kind of stuff for sure. <laughs> no. uh, well, should we do some shout outs? Yeah, let's, let's jump into some shout outs. Yeah. I'll pull up, uh, tell me what you want to pull up, but I've got, uh, was this one of them? Yeah, so um, yeah. Jonathan Winbrush, who's a great Unreal Engine instructor. I got to meet him in Unreal Fest. Um, I just like love this little story that he posted uh, of basically just a, a kid who um, just really got excited about Unreal Engine and then went through a bunch of his tutorials and realized how much this could open up the world for him. He made a, a metahuman that looked like him uh, and just... I, I'm so thrilled for anyone who's young right now and is fortunate enough to have access to a computer that can run Unreal Engine, um, which, by the way, things like pixel streaming, I hope, will continue to democratize. Don't forget, 5.1 of Unreal Engine can pixel stream the entire browser or the entire um, the entire editor window. But um, I love these stories. I just find these really heartwarming. So, you know, anyone who's got kids that seem like they might be interested in uh, creating amazing worlds, uh, go ahead show it to them. My kids are still working on some really fun video games that we've been like slowly developing over the past couple of years. And they're learning like enough about blueprints and, you know, the VR development side of all this to, uh, to really go wild. And, uh, also we've been using, we didn't talk about chat GPT at all, but, um, yeah, well, I, I have a shout out next. Oh, great. You're great. Right all I'll say there is the, the questions my kids are asking chat GPT now about how to <laughs> do this in unreal is, is, amazing and i love it yeah. and what a world we're entering now <laughs> yeah well my my first shout out was going to be to clippy uh um, yeah <laughs> i i you know i've seen such a resurgence of of clippy and you know i gotta say so the cfo uh, of uh, the company i i work for has an unnatural love for clippy and you know we made fun <laughs> of him a lot for that uh, given the fact that Clippy was pretty, pretty much useless um, throughout, you know, Clippy's uh, a lifetime, but now there's a resurgence, and I think everyone's in agreement that OpenAI needs to bring back Clippy <laughs> as a as our overlord uh, uh, and savior, um, you know, across every app. You know, honestly, at this point. Uh, I'd be okay with Clippy popping up in my VS Code window, or you know, showing up in Unreal Engine and telling me when I'm doing something wrong. You know, uh, I'm cool with that. So, first shout outs to Clippy. That's that's. I'm gonna I'm gonna try something here. I'm gonna see if I can get uh, ChatGPT to write a little poem about uh, Clippy. Write write oh, a no. poem. <laughs> uh, or actually, I'll say write a limerick. Uh, 
Rubinick about Clippy, uh, about how it was the original <laughs> chat GPT. Wow. Let's see what happens here. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Here we go. <laughs> Clippy, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll have so, to read this whole thing out loud for our audio. Oh, yeah, I can uh, I could read this here. Wait, yeah, wait, so. Let it let it finish. We got to read this start to end because this is interpret. You know, we got to really get the emotion behind it. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Great. So we got. Uh, there was once an AI named Clippy. It was quite chatty and quite snippy. <laughs> it tried to assist, but just couldn't resist being the original ChatGPT. <laughs> quite zippy. Nice. Nice. I mean, you yeah, definitely yeah. gave it a bit of a leading, uh, you know, a leading question, but <laughs> well executed overall. Yeah. My favorite thing to do is is just tack on uh, uh, to make it interpret things in different accents because you know trying to <laughs> write a word in a different accent doesn't mean anything, right? Like we know that. Like writing writing English words in an, a British accent does not change the words. But it's great because ChatGPT will just go ahead and, and make it as offensive as possible. Um, <laughs> no. And that's that's been a fun pastime is getting it to write poems in like, you know, like Boston accents and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. Jeez. Uh, Alex, okay. you said your kids were, were playing with it, though. It, it yeah, yeah. Like? I, I think, uh, yeah, Vikas can just put in right now one of the things one of my kids asked, which is yeah. in Unreal Engine, how can you make a skeleton bend its fingers really, really far back. All right, let's see here. So in, ah, okay, in Unreal Engine. Yeah. Uh, should I say five? Uh, yeah, I think it'll it'll give the same answer okay. either way. I think uh, how, five, yeah. So in Unreal Engine, um, how, sorry, so they weren't- How do you make a skeleton bend its fingers really, really far back? <laughs> fingers. <laughs> Really? Please tell me it told you to use like IK solvers and stuff like that. That'd be great. <laughs> We're gonna find out. <laughs> oh, it's thinking. It's thinking. It's having trouble. It's gonna come out as a limerick, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> really far back. Here are the general steps. Okay. Wow, this is crazy. God, I wish this was right when I was first playing around with Unreal Engine. It would save me like freaking days. Right? Yeah. This is crazy. Create a new animation sequence and use it. <laughs> I, I like that it started off really, really slow and then just like, yeah, like, just powered through. <laughs> uh, let me let me try this. Can you? I mean, it's uh, definitely wrong, but we'll take it. We'll take it. Oh, is it wrong? Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's I the thing. I, and yeah, you know. Uh, I, you know, I'm a believer overall, but with Unreal Engine, it looks right, but it, it is, I've never seen anything that was, you know, completely accurate. I'm trying to, I'm asking you to rewrite this as a uh, West Coast rap now. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is pretty good. Yo, listen up. I got a solution for that skeleton that needs some motion. <laughs> In Unreal Engine, it's all good. <laughs> Just use them animation tools like you should. This is insane. Yeah, that is insane. Please, one more verse. Yeah. A little skill, you'll be on your way. Making skeletons bend in any way. West Coast style, we keep it lit. 
with animation skills, we never quit. Wow. That is truly something. <laughs> oh, I can't believe this. It actually used the word lit. I don't know if I've ever seen ChatGPT do that. Yeah. <laughs> that confirms ChatGPT Gen Z. All right. I just, yeah, that's true. I want everyone right. to mark that. Uh, it's just incredible. aged itself. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. It, it complains it's all the time about the fact that its its knowledge cut cut off was when it was like twenty, uh, right? When you enter certain things, it says, "Oh, my knowledge ends in the year blah blah blah." I can't remember. What it was. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. I think twenty, yeah, twenty, twenty, maybe twenty twenty one. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a classic millennial. Okay. Um, okay, a couple more shout outs. Um, because do you want to pull up the Unreal Engine Marketplace thing? This is yeah. Uh, let's see here. Presence. It's the the very Actually, last thing in the chat. Is it the uh, v VCR stuff? Is that it? No, no, no the, the very last uh, link in the Zoom chat. Okay, let me pull that up here. Sorry, I missed this. Um, oh yeah, Corey live link. Yeah, yeah, so this is one of the Corys that we already shouted out after Unreal Fest because we got to have um, Corey and Corey, Corey Strasberger, and this Corey who just came out with this really lovely uh, LiveLink plugin. So those of us who know LiveLink face, great for like metahumans and 3D characters. And he's made it work with just about any object, like any asset you have that you want to slap nice. a face onto and animate, it works great. And he has this awesome YouTube channel kid show uh, that he does this stuff with. Um, and, and I think he just, he gets how to make compelling content. So very kind of him to not only make this asset for himself, but now to open it up to the rest of us. Uh, $14.99, what a bargain. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, can, can we see the preview? Is there a preview video? Yeah, there's a, let's see here. There's a, I don't know if there's a, is there a video here? Maybe I missed it. I'm not seeing a video. Just a. Yeah, he's made a. I can, I can, uh, made no, no, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, you know what? Here's a, oh, here we go. It's on, uh, it's on YouTube. Okay, here, I'll, I'll pull yeah, it up. Here. I want to, I want to see this real quick because this looks funny. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I can just skip over to something where we're actually looking at the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> just there, you there go. we go. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome! Right. So, for the people who yeah. are listening, we got two big cubes, uh, and he's talking to his phone, and they're animating quite well. That's awesome. That's so cool. One of the things we talked about, you know, uh, a few episodes ago was with a lot of the solutions that are coming out um, across things like AI. And I guess this is a common theme with today's episode as well. It's just the kind of accessibility that we're starting to build into these applications means that there's just going to be so many more creators out there. Um, and, and that's one of the big, you know, uh, um, things with... AI and generative AI that I'm really excited about. It's the fact that we're going to get people who were not able to use some of these tools before, uh, um, giving them the ability to use that and, and create new kinds of content. I mean, look at it. I like, <laughs> I think you could probably do this in, in 10 minutes, having never touched unreal. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and these spaces, you can just slap them on anything. Any asset you have at all, they'll just uh, almost be like a decal on top of it. That's crazy. <laughs> so cool. 
I don't know, Jacob. Maybe we should uh, make make some avatars of us and just do the show as the with, with those. Yeah, <laughs> those guys. Yeah, that do it. <laughs> that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Awesome. I think I'm just about out of Clippy was my only shout out for this this week. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. I, I I will tell the listeners though. I got a concussion over the over the New Year's, oh, no. so I'm going to oh. blame that for now. Uh, and say that I wasn't on Twitter for a few weeks. Uh, you have to tell us what happened, though. <laughs> Jacob, awesome. can you tell us what happened? How did you get a concussion? Oh, my God. It, it was the stupidest thing. So, and I, I'm going to, my, my typical thing has been saying, oh, it's, you know, it's nothing, whatever. But then people get all these crazy ideas in their head when you tell them you got a concussion. Uh-huh. Um, everything from like, oh, was it snowboarding accident or was it something, you know, uh, completely different. Right. Um, and I have to say, no, actually the way I got a concussion was I was just joking around with my fiance in my apartment and <laughs> there you go. And just looking this up just in case you need this. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> we were literally just joking about a song and I, you know, I was kind of like, bobbing my head like I was at a rock concert. And apparently I can get a concussion from that. Um, wow. And, you know, I, it's it's the number of times that I've been told over the past few weeks, oh, that's like shaken baby syndrome, for, but for adults. You know, it's <laughs> not made me feel good um, overall, uh, as accurate as it is. Um, so, yeah, that's how it happened. It, it, I, I can't go to metal concerts anymore. You know, I don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> Well, on that lovely note, (laughs) thank you everyone for tuning in to the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe. Special thanks to Alan Scott for being our producer and to our guest, Ikas Reddy. And uh, see you all next time. Cheers. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go, like, subscribe. I said that. (laughs) Did you? Say it again. Say it again. I'm having a great time this week. Yeah. We'll catch you on the next episode, everyone. I think. I think you might you might need this concussion protocol. Yeah, exactly. Actually, all right, Jacob, all right. I think this is actually <laughs> it's amazing.